Welcome to Pharma Talk Radio. I'm Valerie Bowling. I'm pleased to share a high-level discussion from the 2019 DFARM conference between Takeda's president of R&D, Dr. Andrew Plump, and Dr. Jessica Scott, who is the head of R&D patient engagement. Together, they spoke specifically about key performance indicators that support innovation for patient engagement. For details on the 10th annual DFARM event, visit theconferenceforum.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good afternoon. Actually, let's all stand up a minute. I've got a question for you, and I want you to vote by standing. How many of you feel that it would be easy to change the mindset in your organization to, from one of understanding the patient perspective from physicians and the healthcare community to one of understanding that perspective directly from patients? If you feel it would be easy, remain standing. Otherwise, please sit down. That's not fair because you guys are part of Takeda. <laughs> okay. Well, we're here to show you how we are changing the culture at Takeda. We believe, based on our priorities, that it's important to do, and we're doing it now. It does take time, and we're not waiting. And the reason is because of our priorities, which are patient, trust, reputation, followed by the business. And that's really driving our view and our structure to embed patient engagement in our key performance indicators. So Andy, as the head of our R&D organization. You and I originally met about a year ago, actually immediately after the DFARM meeting when I started at, at Takeda. And in our very first conversation, I was really impressed with your thought process on embedding patient-themed activities to bring about a cultural change within the organization. Can you share with us a bit about your thinking in that uh, in our conversation that first time? Sure. So, good, good afternoon, everybody, and thank you very much for, for inviting me, Jessica. And happy anniversary at Takeda. It's been it's been one year, and you've done a great job. And um, I can't thank you enough. So, so let me just start by saying that uh, it's actually for, I think for all of us in healthcare, it it seems intuitive that we would lead our thinking would be led by by the patient, but but I'm looking out in the room and I see many people who have been in healthcare for a long time, <laughs> uh, including myself. And if I, if I go back even as, as soon as three or four or five years ago, but certainly as you go back a decade, I think the patient was almost an afterthought, unfortunately, in this industry. We were driven by, uh, by our commercial organizations, by the market. We were driven by regulatory agencies, sometimes by physicians, but um, rarely, if ever, by, by, by the patient. The whole world has evolved considerably, though, and, and the acceleration of innovation, um, there's an alignment, this great intersection of forces that within our organizations and without that are demanding innovation. And, and who can tell us what that innovation should be more than the patient? And I've always said that, and we talked a lot about this, that you know, there are two reasons why we embrace the patient. The first is it's incredibly inspiring. 
I mean, it wakes us up in the morning and it, it drives what so, uh, so much of what we do during the day. The second is it's the answer. The patients have the answers for us. They tell us what, what they need. And, and now their voice, they're not, just, not just their needs medically, but their voice as advocates in the system is just, is just immense. So then the next challenge is how do you actually bring that into these large organizations that are so inwardly f facing and, and caught up in a very traditional mindset? And so as, as you've highlighted, um, we set out early on to think of a way not just to, to enable people to be inspired by the patient, but to provide that framework, that operational framework that would allow for that to happen. So that was your, your position that we created, which as we were just discussing, it's very unusual to have a position like yours within and a group like yours enabling that interface with patients within an R&D organization. Um, but of course, you're a small relative to the large group of people. So a second driver was to put in place KPIs that really encouraged, incentivized people within the organization to be doing what they always wanted to do, which right. is to be patient-centric. So right. it, it seemed a little artificial at times, but it actually worked quite well, because it was as if we were giving the scientists and the other employees incentive to, to do the right thing, ultimately. An incentive to really innovate, opening the space and making it uh, accessible and uh, showing the way to engage patients and brainstorming with teams um, allows for that creativity that breeds innovation. Yep. And so I'm going to talk about the difference between how you envision patient-themed activities from the beginning a, a, a year ago as these activities that really help bring about that connection and understanding that inspiration and motivation by individuals as opposed to the patient-themed activities, which we were thinking about in terms of supporting the pipeline. Mm -hmm. Those are specific activities for two-way dialogue. And in some organizations, the definition of patient engagement is um, varied. It could be about the clinical trial engagement, but we think about it as earlier on, and even as early as in discovery, to understand true unmet needs. And I just want to highlight that when I first joined, you had envisioned these patient-themed activities, and the KPI was that each individual in R&D should choose three activities, and you weren't prescriptive. Yep. People kind of wanted you to be. <laughs> Tell us more about well, why you weren't prescriptive. Well, firstly, I'll take enti entire credit for not having anything to do with this idea when it first this came about. This was just operationalized. Right, right. Yeah. So, no, but, but what okay. we did was we actually put a group of individuals within the organization in place to help to define. We, we said, here are our values. Here's strategically the direction we're heading. How do we incentivize the organization with the right set of mm. measures? And, and KPIs, key performance indicators, objectives, more often than not drive perverse behaviors mm -hmm. and behaviors that are not aligned with the business, unfortunately. So how did you do this? How, did you, how, did you, how do you do this in a way that really ultimately drives what we need to drive? And so we put a group of about 10 or 12 people together and they, they came back with this. And I looked at it and I said, oh, it's, it looks just so artificial. And, and so reluctantly <laughs> agreed to do this. And it's the best idea I ever had. <laughs> and, and so it, we rolled this out and then to your point, there was mass confusion. You know, what does this mean? Right. And how do I do this? And, you know, f and for us, it was like great to see this, you know, chaos within the organization. Because <laughs> it was forcing people to just, you know, come to the grips with the fact that we live in a world of ambiguity. And I, I finally got up and I was at a town hall that was being global. You remember this, I actually. Do, yeah. you got, I made you a little nervous. I said it could be anything. 
It could be anything. I mean, you know, read a book. Go, go to, go to a, a patient advocacy event. You know, spend 30 minutes meditating, thinking yeah, about thinking the patient. About but you got nervous because you were concerned that you know, everybody was going to start to willy-nilly do things. Because there are barriers. There are some things that we can't do. Um, as a pharmaceutical company. Well, well, we made it clear. We made it clear what, what it is and what it isn't, and we distinguished the smallest concentric circle here, the patient engagement activities that require a higher level of legal and compliance uh, review. From and so that, that really that helped with the distinction. And in the end, we surveyed the organization to make sure we met our KPIs in 2018. And what we did was uh, ask, what was the value to you as an individual? And here's what we found. And I think we achieved the goal. And like any good pharmaceutical company, when you achieve success, you change it up. Yep. And that's why this year, we have a different focus. This year, with the patient engagement activities, we're actually moving to require 100% of our study teams to create a goal that's a patient engagement activity, and 30% to actually have a strategic plan, a, a roadmap for how to engage patients in the patient community from early, early on in clinical development through the whole asset development. And, and you said, Jessica, why just 30%? And then, I, and then I had to go survey the organization for readiness. Remember mm -hmm. that? And yep, you for said, sure. It turned out that 60% were ready now, this yep. year. And I said, well, I can't do that. I don't have my team built up yet. Yeah, yeah. I was impatient. Well, I, I am too. Yeah, <laughs> I want to get going. But the, so, but there is but you're bringing the, the it just started to drop. But there is this yeah. element of you know not just jumping to the chase, but actually kind of creating a mindset, a comfort level, a way of working, and that's not that doesn't necessarily have a linear path to some some deliverable that's a financial deliverable or a pipeline deliverable, but creating a culture. That's right. An environment yeah. where people can, can understand this. And then you've helped me understand that then you build sequentially. And there is, there is, a, there is a skill set here there's a, there's a, that requires ex, expertise like you and your team has that enables this activity, the patient engagement activity. But you can't just jump to that without actually understanding the nuance and how to, how to build that. That's true. I think what, what we've done together is really to create a push and a pull. And so teams are reaching out to all of us in the patient engagement office for help in developing activities to, to build on some of the lessons learned and best practices so that we can, in creative new ways, given the, the teams, given the asset and given where that team is in the development path, what makes sense. Yep from that and that's very I think that breeds the innovation that that is that is really you and your mindset to create that safe space to be creative with what works rather than prescriptive Yep, for sure and for some people it comes more naturally I mean there's there we have individuals in the organization who just understand how to do this naturally they understand they've been they, they, it, it, I think for all of us there's a natural element here the idea of helping somebody and engaging with people and learning to, you know, to ultimately, we, we've always struggled to understand who our customers are in this industry, which is unfortunate because it's so clear when we talk about our customer, it's the patient, yeah. right? And I think for some of us more than others, it just comes naturally. There, there is this really odd inverse correlation where if you go from research to development to medical to commercial, you know, you, you get closer to, much closer to the patient as you get to commercial. Yeah. Right, and then medical, you step back a little bit. Development, you step back, and by the time you're a research scientist, you're 
you're in a laboratory and you have so little visibility. Your day-to-day -day is almost, um, the patient is almost completely absent, right. right? So I think what we've also done is not just bring the patient to those, those areas of the business that are a bit more proximal, but also to the labs. Where I think it's been, the stories I hear when I travel around the globe and visit our laboratories and our partners' laboratories, because we try to bring this mindset to our partners as well, it's completely inspiring. Um, I'm glad you feel that way. <laughs> I'm going to show one of the examples of the patient engagement uh, activities that we've we've done, and, and they can take different forms. And I heard in a, at a previous talk this morning about engaging in ad boards or in having ad hoc members of, um, for example, the Transcelerate work, and both are really great ways to bring that patient perspective into the organization. The purposes for the various activities vary. Yeah. Um, so in this particular ad board for celiac disease, um, we'll, we'll hear from our study team leads uh, what was useful to them. And they, they really created this, and, and we helped support bringing out perspectives that would yeah. be of value to the team. And I'll just add, celiac, which is a disease that affects so many of us, it's not really a disease that's recognized by, by payers and regulatory agencies. So actually, this is a case where you have a very common disease it's becoming more and more common. The, the severity, the spectrum is such that there are patients with such severe disease that they have a mortality rate, a five to 10 year mortality rate that is on par with certain malignancies. So understanding the patient experience here and, and then bringing that in to help to define the regulatory path and then the reimbursement path is absolutely critical. Yeah, that, that's a great point to bring out because there really hasn't been a whole lot of research in celiac. So how do we design a trial, for example? Um, what are the needs? How does the gluten challenge, for example, that the FDA has historically required meet with current kind of thinking about that challenge? So we'll hear from the study team. This is, um, you, you may have seen the video yesterday from uh, Sunita Badola's uh, near talk. This is how we communicate some of those learnings across the organization in an engaging way. The avatars are really the guides for the key learnings in these short five-minute videos that we, we hope are engaging, but you let us know what you think. Um, these are internal videos, and then we also archive them and refer to them when teams ask us, well, can you give us an example of how you use the, embedded the patient perspective into X, Y, or Z? We say, yeah, episode five, episode seven, and we, we refer to them quite a bit. So if you could play the video, that would be great. Welcome to today's episode of the 5-Minute R&D Patient Engagement Update. I'm Mickey Modi. And I'm your host, Max Bridges. Celiac disease is common and affects over 1% of the population. What we don't know is how people experience celiac disease once diagnosed and the extent that symptoms persist despite their best attempts at a gluten-free diet. The Celiac Disease Study Team worked with the Patient Engagement Office to conduct a patient advisory board to gain more insight. They wanted to better understand the patient experience and relationship with the gluten and identified unmet needs in the celiac disease management. The full-day event also provided the opportunity to obtain feedback on which symptoms matter most to them, how they manage their disease, and their views on possible treatments. The team also sought patients' feedback on a potential clinical trial design. Let's listen to Dan Lefner and Mark Friedman share the story. Celiac disease is a relatively new area for drug development. We don't have a clear 
optimized design for clinical trials. Getting patient input into how to design trials in a way that is going to be possible for them to participate and generate meaningful data was really a critical problem. Only the patient can tell us what it's like to have the disease on a day-to-day -day basis. You can't get that in a textbook, you can't get that in a journal article, and doing a patient advisory board provides all that really in one day. How they're feeling, what symptoms are ongoing, what symptoms are most troubling and burdensome is really a critical uh, early step in our drug development. Our team really worked very closely with the patient engagement team to develop materials that were appropriately written for patients, but had the content that we felt was most important. Patient Advisory Board was a single day event that really encompassed a very broad range of patients and broad range of patient concerns, really enabling us to have a much more holistic understanding of the patient journey in celiac disease. For some patients, although they can control the disease, the cost of being on a gluten-free diet the emotional costs, the constant need to be vigilant, the uh, challenge of going to a restaurant. I think the caregiver experience is actually something that we had not understood as fully before the meeting. This is a disease that burdens not just the patients, but the caregivers in the entire family. And it became apparent that patients were very concerned about unnecessary gluten exposure, but yet understood the need for gluten exposure in specific trial designs. While you can't capture every patient perspective in a single advisory board, I think with carefully chosen patients and a thoughtful approach to the discussion, you can begin to get a much better sense of the diversity of opinions out there. Just like we didn't see this patient engagement as a, a one-time activity, neither did the patients. Each of the participants, uh, down to a single one, was really interested in continuing to work with us. This was the first time I had ever participated in a patient advisory board and really paired very well with the traditional advisory boards. I think the insights really allowed us to build in both ways off of what we had heard from our healthcare practitioners, but also take back to our healthcare practitioners what we were hearing from patients. These type of patient advisory boards should be done regularly as part of every clinical development program just in the same way that we involve our experts in advisory boards. The patients were able to provide us with insights that we wouldn't have been able to get elsewhere. Study teams across Takeda R&D are engaging people living with celiac and other diseases as they shift from developing medicines for patients to developing medicines with patients. Thanks for joining us today. See you next time. The Japanese really um, helps to engage our uh, Japanese colleagues. And actually, shortly after this meeting, um, Vivian Larson and I are jumping on a plane to China and Japan. And that's going to be an, an effort to really embed uh, the, the culture and, uh, with our Japanese and, and Asian colleagues. Mm -hmm more globally, but interested in your perspective on the, how the videos yeah. have resonated and, and um, the value of, of communicating this way. You know, I mean, so at first I was a little skeptical because it's a little sticky and you know, the anime, but it, I find it, it just draws me in. And uh, I am nervous though, because we live in a really competitive market for talent here in Boston. So Dan and Mark already have <laughs> headhunters looking for them. I, I now know they have an agent and there's some Hollywood <laughs> films that are trying to bring them in. So. Um, and I'm, I just have to thank you that I don't yet have an avatar. I've, but I don't offered, think I would look I've very offered. good in an avatar. <laughs> no, I think it's great because it, um, I, so I, I watch all of them. 
I can't remember what's the big series. I don't watch the series with the war. You know, the every Sunday night. Oh, oh, um, yeah, Game of Thrones. Yeah, Game of Thrones. Yeah. yeah, I think this gets better ratings than Game of Thrones. <laughs> um, but I certainly, every time it comes out, I really gravitate to it. I, I love. I mean, for me, it's 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 something recognizable because it's our colleagues that are doing this. But I find it really approachable. Um, and again, it's another one of those elements that that you and your team are helping to to build that really are driving a culture where it's all about, it ultimately is all about the patient. And I love the fact that you guys have highlighted celiac because again, it's a disease where that patient input is going to define ultimately what we do. I know there was another one we had talked about that you decided not to use, which is in narcolepsy, which is another area where the patient experience is one that hasn't really been fully embraced by the pharmaceutical industry, and it's a disease area where you have a handful of, of marketed therapies that are effective but aren't really meeting the needs of the patients. Yeah. So, and actually, in our narcolepsy program, which is one of our most exciting programs, we now have patients who actually sit on the project teams. So, so they're, they're, they're either, you can take this to an extent that really is just incredible in terms of the power of, of the patient voice you can bring to bear. Yeah, and I think one of the key learnings that this particular episode really brings out is that uh, we don't know what we don't know. So we have a sense of some of the things that we don't know, and and we know a few things too. So those are just two little slivers of the pie. But there's this exciting whole other space where there are these aha moments from the two-way dialogue that we just don't get if we're doing a survey where we're kind of locking in the types of responses that we're looking for. Uh, the, 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 one of the problems we face in, in, in development of novel new medicines, they take so long, there's such high failure rates, but that when something works, we just lock in. And we become so dogmatic. You know, the regulatory agencies will ask for this. You know, the, the, so, so what we need to do is we need to, to step back. We live in a world right now where, where everybody around us wants to do the right thing, ultimately, in a data-driven way. And we need to move past some of the barriers that prevent us from really innovating, you know, focusing on the patient, bringing the patient voice in, using new technologies that will help us to better address the needs of patients. But we're so um, scared to, to do new things. We're, we're scared that we'll fail in new ways, but we're very comfortable failing in the ways that we have for decades. Yeah, that's right. That's right? a great so. point. And actually, it's your thinking on this issue that really inspired me and brought me to your organization. Great. And we're going to fail a lot here. Yeah, And we'll I stumble know. and we'll make mistakes, and that's okay, because that's what's involved. Can somebody write this down? Yeah, well, that's, involved. <laughs> that's part of the process. That's, that's what innovation that's right. is. And, and learning and actually embracing that failure and not pointing fingers. Exactly. A lot, a lot of organizations, even, I mean, even, it's, you know, I sit, it's easy for me to say sitting here, when it happens, how you react to it, a lot of organizations struggle with this. Yeah, I mean, and, and as I look at our path forward, uh, you know, I, I know we're going to fail at, at some things. Some things aren't going to work, but it's the learnings about uh, what we've tried and, and adjusting and iterating that's really going to get us to where we want to go and yep. to be really innovative. For what sure. do you see as the path forward for patient engagement? And are you looking for that return on the engagement, as they call it, in, in patient engagement? Yeah, so, I, so the good news is I don't know what that path forward looks like. And I don't have any preconceived notion, because if I did, it would be wrong. And so what we've done is we've created a setting where we have, um, we, we have programs with project leaders and teams that are fully empowered. They have access to you and your team's ability to engage them with patients. And, and our expectation is that they're going to do that. And that when they come and, and, and we have one centralized governance committee that provides a budget, when they come, 
they're, they're not just showing us a path that, that they believe is going to work from a regulatory standpoint, but they're showing us the way that, that is to the patient, and it's driven by the patient. And so in everything we do, that patient voice has to come, come through. And, and that's when, if we, don't, if we fail to see that, then we, we say no and we move in new directions. Yeah, um, I'll give one final summary here, but I just want to ask if you all have questions. There are going to be a few people with mics walking around, and we have a few minutes for question and answer. So please head to those uh, with mics. I see a couple over there. If you want to stand there for just a second, um, we'll hopefully be able to take some short questions um, and, and be able to get to a number of them. I think, um, and you and I have discussed this, we're not waiting for proof that there's going to be a return on the investment because of our, our values and we believe that this is the right thing to do and we're actually, we have evidence that we are having those aha moments and we are having learnings. And we'll look retrospectively, like how can we assess the value? But we, we believe in it and we're moving forward uh, and requiring that 100% that of study teams next year will have a whole plan on how they'll engage patients in the patient community. Yep. I agree. The worst thing that you could ever do in our business is define an NPV of anything. <laughs> and, and that's, that's discovered. There isn't an NPV here, but we know just intuitively it's the right thing to do and it will add value. And how exactly? We don't even need metrics. It's just, it's just it's so silly for us to be saying that we're going to make a drug for a patient and not consider the patient in that process. And, and the value will come in ways that will be expected. You know, we'll do something right by a patient. We'll run into a stumbling block, stumble at the agency, regulatory agency, or with reimbursement. The patient will come and will help to resolve the issue. That's an obvious path forward. We know that we'll, have, we'll develop advocates and partners along the way, and that's going to be important. Um, and then there'll be unintended um, consequences of working more closely with patients. You know, many of our patients are innovators and entrepreneurs themselves. Maybe they'll have ideas that will stimulate adjacencies or even more directly activity for our therapy. So you don't have to worry. Your group is set. <laughs> we'll fund your group for as long as I'm around and hopefully well beyond. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming today too, yeah. Andy. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. For information on the 10th Annual DFARM, visit theconferenceforum.org. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.